0: From the Financial Times in New York, I'm Sujit Indap, and this is FT News. So this week, we've seen a lot of volatility in the financial markets, stock market, bond markets, uh, depressing economic news, but something else has uh, caught the attention of worried investors around the world, and this is what's going on with shipping. Joining me to discuss what's happening in shipping is Robert Wright, the U.S. industry correspondent. Robert, good to speak with you. Uh, Thanks for having me. So, the the concern about shipping really uh, took off with the earnings announcement from a company called Maersk. you tell us uh, what Maersk is, what it does, its relevance, and then what happened with its earnings this week. So Maersk is
1: the world's biggest operates the world's biggest container shipping line called Maersk Line, and really what's got people's attention is that they've, Maersk has been saying that market conditions, the market, the business conditions it's experiencing, are as bad are worse than. Following the financial crisis in two thousand and eight, so this has got everybody panicking about whether this is a leading indicator that uh, the world is about to turn upside down in, in the way it did a few years ago
0: and so one of the issues that they're doing with is china so what's the what's going on in China that's uh, roiling the shipping industry
1: It's probably worth making the point at this point that there isn't really one shipping industry we've got there are a number of different
0: sectors that are experiencing right. Different, different conditions. So we start with ships or uh, vessels. What's, uh, what's? Let's go with that submarket first.
1: With Maersk, the issue is that they operate container ships, which right. are the big difference between them and some of the other types of ships. Is it's, it's like operating an airline. You say when you're going to the ship's going to go, and you sell spaces on on the ship. Mm-hmm. What the problems that Maersk have in common with with the dry bulk sector, which I, I think we're going to come on to in a moment is that basically people decided that the way to make money in container shipping was to build very big new ships. Uh, And they did that on the basis that China's economy was going to keep growing at the kind of really rapid rate it it did for a a few years until recently. With the slowdown in China, with the softness in world economic demand – suddenly those ships are sailing only about 70% full. And so we're talking
0: about commodities then, is that right?
1: This is this is container ships. Okay. So on, on container ships, they're, they're sailing only about 70% full. And the basic economics of that are if you've got empty space, you're, you're desperate to fill it. So rates per container are falling. And, and that is really what's hurting, hurting companies like Maersk. The thing that's really worth remembering about companies like Maersk, and, and the reason I've been keen to write about this to make the point, is that... Trade is not actually declining at the moment. Maersk experienced growth of between 0 and 1% last year, but it was still growth. Uh, They're they're expecting growth of between about 1% and 3% this year. So the trade is still growing. The the problem is not really the demand. The problem here in container shipping at least is at least partly the supply of ships. There are just too many ships. There's too much capacity in that. And Where do those ships come from? Where
0: is that capacity really? Uh, the explosion in capacity come from?
1: Well, it's really just come from the fact that there were these shipyards with all this spare capacity after the financial crisis, and they persuaded people to build new ships and persuaded them that much, much bigger ships were, were a good idea. The size of ships, the the size of the biggest container ships has has roughly doubled in the last. And so the 10 challenge years. is, you're
0: building these ships. They have a lot of lead time, and so you're really making guesses on where the economy will be two, three, four years down the road.
1: Uh you've absolutely hit on one of the key points in shipping economics 101 there. But when you're building a ship it takes 2 or 3 years to deliver. You're making a guess about future demand and and a lot of people have made really bad guesses about future future demand over the last few years.
0: Let's talk about some of these other segments within within shipping that are important to know. So uh, what else would you highlight right now?
1: Well, so the the sector that often gets a lot of attention, as people call it, a bellwether, is is dry bulk, which is operating ships that carry things like typically coal and iron ore are, are the biggest single commodities for them. And that market is going through a really shocking crisis at the moment. The Baltic Dry Index, which is a fairly widely watched index, which measures rates for, for dry bulk ships is now at the lowest level it has ever been since it started in 1985. So below the,
0: where it was in the financial crisis.
1: It was way below where it was in the financial crisis. And in fact, every day this year, it has been either down or flat. So pretty much every day this year, it has set a new record low. So this and what's happening there is that market has been down for so long that ship owners are really just beginning to run out of money. They're beginning to run out of options, options there. But the key thing there, again, I think is that there's such a huge supply of ships, the fleet is going to grow by about 4% this year mm-hmm. uh, and trade growth is flat. And and really the issue is just, again, way too many ships out there.
0: Got it. And so let's talk about a couple of other subcategories. Railroads, those are very uh, highly watched here in, in North America.
1: Yeah, the railroads really explain an awful lot about what's going on in the US and, and by extension the world world economy, I think. Because what you can see there, you there have been some very big declines in railroad earnings and there's some very, very eye-catching declines in things like coal. For instance, coal for Union Pacific in the fourth quarter last year was 30% down year on year. Iron ore was down very sharply for them as well. And it's tempting when you see the headline figures to think that there's a huge catastrophe unfolding here. But actually, when you dig into a bit more detail uh, in the figures, you see that the effect is pretty confined to coal and iron ore. There's probably ultimately some weakness in, in movements of containers as well. But, you know, a lot of other things are actually doing reasonably okay. Cars are continuing to do pretty well for the railroads. So, you know, it's by no means the kind of wholesale economic catastrophe, one might conclude just looking at railroad earnings.
0: And so in your story, you also have uh, some very interesting observations about air freight and what's happening there and what it could imply for the economy.
1: Air freight is something that probably should really worry people because the interesting thing about air freight is that when you're worried about the strength of demand, one of the quickest things you can do to try to to try to stem the problems, is to start moving your goods from somewhere like Asia to North America by sea instead of air. So you tend to see fall-offs in air freight before other things fall off. And and there are some signs at the moment that air freight growth is lagging world trade growth, which does look a little bit like a, a leading indicator to me.
0: What are the one or two things we should be watching in shipping over the next month or two? As an indicator of a real global economic slowdown
1: well I think if you start seeing real fall offs in volumes and things like container shipping that that is going to be a bad sign at the moment. Trade is still growing and and the problem I think remains one of supply but if you see uh, if you start seeing real fall offs in, in volumes that 's going to be that 's going to be a worry with the Baltic dry index, I think probably the main Lesson about that is it's kind of not almost not worth watching at the moment because it's essentially become meaningless. It's amazing
0: because everyone watches it and likes to cite it, and uh, it seems to be misleading, basically. right? Well, this is
1: this is if there's a key learning that I want people to take away from this, is is don't watch the Baltic Dry Index at the moment because the oversupply of ships is such that there's almost no level of volume that could come along that would actually get the Baltic Dry Index moving.
0: Very interesting observation, Robert Wright, U.S. industry correspondent. Thank you. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.
1: Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.